if you could go back and speak with anyone from our family, who would you talk to? Um, I would talk to J.B. Newman. He is my great-great-grandfather. Our family is from a very small town in southeast Alabama. I guess throughout the history of our family, we've been pretty into um, civil rights and fighting for our rights. Um, um, So J.B. Newman was the president of the local NAACP. And so um, this has uh, become... I guess it has come back into back in the news um, recently uh, is the the story of Reese Taylor. So she um, was a young black woman, a wife and a mother who was walking um, down a country road in Abbeville, and she was kidnapped and um, and raped by um, a gang of of white men. And then she was let back out on the highway, um, and everyone knew who these um, who these men were who raped her. Um, she identified uh, the the car. And she she knew the man. Everyone knew who it was. They were not um, put on trial. Um, nothing happened to them. And so she went to her local NAACP. Um, and so she told um, who was um, then obviously J.B. Newman, my great-great-grandfather. Everyone knows that Rosa Parks worked the Reese Taylor case. And she was from, uh, she's originally from the area in Abbeville. Um, but the person who called Rosa Parks to come back to Abbeville was, um, was my great great grand my great great grandfather, um, so to me that's just literally amazing um, that my grandfather um, called Rosa Parks, knew Rosa Parks, um, and I think it's even more amazing because so many people are like, okay, Rosa Parks didn't didn't do that much. She sat on a bus, but Rosa Parks did a lot that people just don't realize, have chosen not to acknowledge, and then you know, not to take Rosa Parks shine, but my grandfather, you know, did call her. So <laughs> I think it'd be very cool to talk to him. He is um, a new a new source of inspiration um, and strength that I have only recently found out, you know, about. So. This week on Stories from Home, mother and daughter, Shirlene and Morgan Newman sit down and discuss how their paths led them to today and to discuss their passions for helping young black women. But back to you, you have all of your degrees are in, are in engineering. Can you, you know, talk about the story of how you like transitioned from be- being an engineer now being in a psych department? <laughs> I would say as a as a young um, child, I was always drawn to math um, and science, but mostly math. And that was my favorite subject. It was the subject that I was I was best in. And all of my teachers encouraged me to, to get a degree in engineering and be an engineer. My focus in, in grad school, as far as my research was concerned, was medical imaging. So I was doing MRI research, but more focused on the instrument, um, the signal and image processing aspect of that. But I was introduced to the brain, and so once you once you start learning about the brain, which is I like to describe as a as a big electrochemical um, network, so it's really a big circuit <laughs> in, in some ways, which is is something that that's really interesting to me. I fell in love with the brain, and so we moved from I moved from the brain from the the engineering side of it, from the machine side of that, to focusing on trying to understand how the brain works. And so, um, because I was almost done with my biomedical engineering PhD, 
I, I finished that and then transitioned to, to cognitive neuroscience, which is in psychology um, as a postdoc at Carnegie Mellon, working with Marcel Jessen, Patricia Carpenter. Now, how I ended up doing a study focusing on the experiences of, of black girls in Bloomington is all because of you. And and trying to well, there were a couple of reasons. One is trying to trying to help you explore your research interest, um, but the other is because of of raising you in Bloomington, um, having firsthand knowledge of what you went through as a black girl in Bloomington. Um, I did want to know more about those experiences, so it was my interest coupled with your interest that sort of pushed me into into that direction. And so she mentioned that her, her interest is in public policy. That's her major public policy and sociology. Um, I had to really push her to get that STEM part, that STEM part in that s- statistics um, minor. So I was happy about that. So, <laughs> so um, I was definitely one of those mothers who tried to push my daughter into STEM, um, introduced her to engineering concepts early, focused on math and playing with math early, um, having her build things, um, build circuit, having circuit boards and building circuit boards, having her in labs here at IU. None of that worked. Um, <laughs> you just did not like engineering or did not like science well enough to decide to, to major in it. <laughs> so even though she was really good at it and she, she enjoyed doing it. So I just want you to tell me why. Why no science? I just, I found my passion really lies in, you know, the idea of helping people in a, in a, I guess more, a more direct way. Because obviously engineers and scientists um, have the ability to, to really change people's lives. But I just, guess I just didn't want to go that route in terms of um, reaching my goal of, of helping people. Um, you know, that's, that's, that's you. You can do it, and I could do. I, I'll do me, and you know, together, together, we have everything covered. We have humanities and science. So I just figure, you know, why not? Why not branch out? So where do you think your your um, desire to help people? Where do, where does that come from? One thing that I always will remember is when I was younger, you volunteered at Meals Meals on Wheels in Pittsburgh when we lived there. So I had to be three, four, five maybe around there, um, and we would go to people's houses, and we would drop off meals, and I'd get to come along, and I'd get a, a free Panera bagel. I, I remember that. That's why I still love Panera today. Um, and it was just it was just really cool. And then um, at the church we went to in Pittsburgh, you helped set up, um, I guess, like a, like a kitchen in the church, and you were super involved in the church. And we all have always um, had, like, these older people in our lives who, who you always help and you take time out of your day, which a lot of people um, just don't do to, to help the, to help these people. And so I've literally just been around it my whole life. It's just like seeing you help people and it just became part of me. Um, I guess it's just the way you raise me, even if like, obviously you raise me to help people, but I think a lot of it um, is not even what you said, it's what you did. And so that's just kind of how I, Found my way along along there, and I realized that it's just it's just what you should do, and it it's really cool to to make a whole career, hopeful hopefully a whole career out of doing just that. So thank you. You are uh, the reason why I'm going into the career I, I hope to go into. Um, so how how do you, how did you 
think your life would be at the age of 47? Um, and then how different is it now, you know, I guess in reality? I mean, I, I mean, I could talk a lot about like my life now. Um, I, I completely enjoy my career. Yeah. Um, and I think the thing that I enjoyed the most, it's hard to say, I, I really enjoy research. I, I, I like, I think I t what I tell people is that, that as a kid, I was one of those kids who got bored easily. Um, and I don't get bored at work, which is really important to me. Um, as a bachelor's engineer, because I, I did internships, I was bored a lot. <laughs> so, so that's one of the reasons why I went to grad school. Um, but I never get bored um, in my career. I mean, because I get to control the research that I do, and I determine the the which research, what lines of research that I'm engaged in, and I'm choosing things that I really have a passion for and, and really like. So, and then I'm also doing these administrative um, jobs, which are really fun and rewarding in a completely different way. And so the the being able to interact and work with undergraduates, um, being able to provide programming for them, help them in, in as many ways as I can is like really fun for me. Um, focusing, one of the things that I'm focusing on now um, is trying to increase the number of underrepresented minorities graduating from IU with STEM degrees um, and trying to understand where the barriers are and trying to um, remove those barriers so that we get more uh, more students graduating, <laughs> not just coming in with an interest in, but actually getting degrees in um, in STEM fields. I mean, that's that's rewarding for yeah. me. And so, which is not something I ever imagined that I would be doing. But yeah, no, my life is completely different than I imagined. And I guess through that, um, like for me personally, you have you I, I always tell people this. Um, I always say, like, if you've talked to me for more than like two or three minutes, you know how much I love my mom. You know how how much I, I admire her. Um, it's like you've been like the biggest inspiration in my life personally. And I'm sure you've been quite an inspiration um, for other people. So I would like to ask you if you could give maybe one or one or two, one or two pieces of advice um, for anybody, but maybe even specifically um, uh, a young black girl who who hasn't found her way yet. What like what what would those two pieces of advice be? Just figure out what you really love to do, and then just go and do it, and have no fear. Um, especially not no fear and failure, and especially when you're young. I mean, when you're young is the time you're supposed to be failing, because um, <laughs> failure helps you helps you figure out who you are and what you like and what you want, um, and how much you're willing to fight to get what you want. And so, um, when you're young, you're supposed to fail. <laughs> That's normal. And so just don't be afraid of it and just jump in. And, I mean, you only have one life to live, and you need to, to live it. And so what, what, what's your advice to, to um, young black girls? My, my advice is <laughs> maybe a little cynical, it's, but it's the, it's the idea that, that Bloomington, Bloomington is in the world. Um, you can leave. You can go to college wherever you want. Don't let Bloomington or wherever town you're in, even if it's not obviously Bloomington, Indiana, don't let that limit you. If you aren't comfortable where you are, if you don't like where you're living, um, leave if you want to. You know, go to college outside of outside of the state in a different city. I was very fortunate um, in how I kind of learned this lesson is because um, 
like you went on sabbatical. And so I got to live in Germany for five months um, when I was 15. Um, and it came at a really important time for me because it was right after my freshman year and I was having a really hard time. I didn't have that many friends. I was struggling. Um, I didn't really know what, like, what I, I'm not really sure how the rest of my high school career would have would have worked out if I hadn't taken that break. So I always say I'm incredibly fortunate for that experience because I was able to go to a completely different place. Um, I met people this, as soon as I walked into my to my high school in Germany. I met like so one somebody who's like my best friend to this day. Um, I was my it was my first time having a great like set of friends, having a diverse set of friends. It was just it was it was truly amazing. I have traveled a lot since um movie since I moved to Germany and then came back home um and it's it's part of you know just not wanting to be in one place and wanting to experience all these cultures um and just knowing that there again there are so many people out there like you but there are so many people out there who who are not like you and have these completely different lives and it's just so amazing I mean it speaks to to this idea of just getting out of your comfort zone yeah and, and visiting different places and understanding that, that your little circle is not the entire world. Definitely. And there's a there's a whole world out there, and there's a, which means that there's a, a place for you in it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I don't know. This is to my, my fellow um, young black girls and black women. Um, you can do anything that you, that you put your mind to. Um, please do not let anybody, teachers, peers, coaches, I don't know, the world tell you that you cannot do what you want to do because you can literally achieve anything. And I know it can be so hard sometimes. And that voice that's like, that's telling you that you can't do it, that you can't do it, that you're not good enough, that everyone who does what you want to do looks different than you. So therefore, you know, whatever, um, but you can um, just look at all of the amazing um, women that you have around you. Just know that you can do everything. And if you need anything, I'm always here to talk, to help, to help fight battles for you. Because um, I was lucky enough to have a mom to fight, to help fight battles for me. So if I can do that for somebody else, I will, I will go up into the school like I'm your mom and, and help fight your battles because I'm, I'm here for you if you need anything. 